This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. I still stress to this day for everybody in every arena, lead by example. If you want somebody to do something, you better be willing to do it yourself. If I want one of my employees to work till 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week, I better be sitting right next to them. And it doesn't matter if I'm not doing it. I'm not the one who's designing or editing or whatever. Just the fact that I'm sitting right next to them and bringing them a cup of coffee or whatever is equally as important. That's how you build trust and loyalty with your team. So I really feel that you know, lead by example. I can't say that any better way. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. 
Hi, I'm Captain Mike with Florida Sport Fishing TV, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Oh, excellent, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We're just getting off of... uh, of Christmas holidays and the New Year's yeah. and everything, getting back to yeah. the getting back to work. What about getting you? Did you have the a swing of things? Same thing. Yep, yep. It's been a great holiday season. Of course, we had a little bit of chill in the air, so it really felt nice down here in the Keys. Uh, for the first time, it felt like a holiday season, mm-hmm. so to speak. So it was <laughs> nice, but it's a uh, it's nice to put it all behind us and get back into the swing of things. Got a lot ahead of us here so i'm looking forward to like i said putting this behind us and moving forward yeah well i enjoyed uh talking with you and getting to getting to know you a little bit at the mercury event Mm -hmm. uh we were down there recently and you got a really interesting story you really do um yeah uh, (laughs) you know tough to sum up 20 some odd years in just a couple of minutes well let's Um, give it a try we got more than a couple of minutes how uh how did all this happen for you Well, again, I mean, I'll kind of try and sum it up here. I've been fishing forever, grew up in New Jersey, worked on party boats, head boats, charter boats, my own boats. And it's really all I ever did up in Jersey. Uh, Worked my way into the wheelhouse, got a hundred ton license. And, you know, we did a lot of tuna fishing, bluefish, blackfish, fluke flounder, stripers, everything you could fish for up there. And Every second that I wasn't on the boat, you know, working or taking people fishing, I was found myself, you know, just fishing myself, of course, fun fishing. Um, And then, oh, gosh, back in the 90s, uh, moved down here to South Florida to the Fort Lauderdale area and uh, couldn't really get a job in the fishing industry. You know, even though I had a lifetime of experience at that time, I didn't know much about fishing down here in Florida. And it really is just a different world altogether. And I hear that a lot from a lot of people who come down here from different areas and they say, hey, man, I really thought I knew what was going on. And then I come down here and it could be very, very humbling. And it was, it was very humbling for me at first. And it probably took a couple of years before I finally just threw in the towel and said, hey, you know, maybe I, I've got all of the fundamentals, of course, dialed in. But I think I need to start from a clean slate down here and really understand what I need to do uh, to really get better, you know, and to be more productive and more successful. And along the way, I really felt like there was a need for an educational and informative magazine, because at the time, there were some great magazines around. They're still around, you know, a lot of the popular names, Sport Fishing, Marlin, Florida Sportsman, um, you know, and I give them all kudos, of course, great companies. However, I had a little bit of a different angle. I really felt that education more than entertainment was the name of the game for a lot of the guys, you know, and my point of view was it was a numbers game. There's so many more anglers in that 18 to 45 foot range than the 45 foot on up range, Mm -hmm. you know, and the guys in the sport fish boats, the custom merits, Rybovich's, whatever, you know, production boats, Vikings, Hatteras's, those guys are pretty dialed in and forget the owners of course they have professional crews who have fished all over the world so i certainly wasn't trying to teach those guys anything uh but i was hungry for information i was hungry for knowledge and i felt the best way to do it was really to just do all of the research and to publish 
a magazine geared toward the everyday guy, you know, the guy that wanted to go out there, be more successful. And I talked to some different people about the idea and they all said to me, you know, what do you know about publishing a magazine? And the answer was nothing, (laughs) zero. And they said, well, you must have a lot of money. And I said, no, that would be incorrect as well. Um, I said, but I have a vision, you know, I I have a vision and I'm going to run with it and give it everything that I have. Of course, I'm happy that I didn't know then what I know now, or I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, So in hindsight, you know, I'm glad that I didn't know. Uh, But nevertheless, started from scratch, launched our first magazine in the fall of 2002. And it just ultimately grew into the largest saltwater fishing magazine in Florida, titled Florida Sport Fishing. About 10 years after launching the magazine, we actually launched a second magazine called Destination Fish, which was really focused on high-end angling destinations all over the world. And that did really well also. And then this little thing happened called the recession, you know, Hmm. back then, whatever year that was, I don't even remember. And that, of course, you know, really made things challenging. And we ended up having to give up the second title, refocus all of our energy on Florida sport fishing, which is what grew the business and uh, just continue to move forward. And I really felt like, hey, if I can get through these tough times and come out the other side of this mess, we're going to make it. Because if we can get past these challenges and we had to, you know, just like everybody else, we had to downsize, we had to sacrifice, we had to, you know, make some changes and go from 25 employees to seven hmm. and go from 6,000 square feet to 1,500 square feet. But you do whatever you have to do to make it through so that you can come out the other side and you can continue to prosper. And along the way, I learned a tremendous amount. I did everything myself at first until it outgrew my own abilities, distribution, uh, you know, writing, everything. Of course, not production. I don't have any, I can't even draw a stick figure, let alone (laughs) design a magazine. Uh, But that wasn't, you know, I, I knew what I could do and I wasn't afraid to admit what I couldn't do. Um, and found the people that could and built an awesome team and we worked real hard. But then back in 2012, you know, 2010, I think it was, I realized that now that we gave up the second title, I had a little bit of extra time and wanted to continue to grow the brand. And I felt like television was the best way to do that because not everybody subscribed to a magazine. You know, not everybody at the time walked into a supermarket or a Barnes and Noble or, you know, of course, put in a subscription card in the mail. Um, Certainly a lot of people did, but not everybody, but everyone watches TV. (laughs) So I thought to myself, well, how do I bring my brand to all of the anglers rather than waiting for them to come find me? And there was no better way than television. And again, I spoke with a lot of people and they said, what do you know about producing a TV (laughs) show? And I said, absolutely nothing. And they said, you know, you must have a lot of money. And once again, that wasn't the case. But I had a vision, you know, I had a goal, I had a vision and I said, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to run with it and give it everything that I have, regardless of the challenges. And, you know, truthfully, maybe the challenges will be too big to overcome. You know, maybe there'll be the hurdles will just be so challenging that it would just be impossible for a little guy in Pompano 
uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale area to, to overcome these challenges. I said, but I certainly am going to try. And because I don't want to look back and regret not trying. And I also believed, and I think that this is a good lesson, not only in this industry, but in every industry, that if you have a vision and if you have a goal, and if you're really passionate and dedicated, and if you eliminate failure from the equation, then there's no other option but to succeed. Hmm. And you may not succeed the way you thought you originally would. It may ultimately culminate into something or blossom into something different than what you originally planned. But you can't fail if failure is one of is not one of the options. And that's kind of the mentality that, you know, I kind of took. And, you know, again, I mean, I'm not going to say it was all peaches and cream. You know, I, I think that we could be really transparent here and speak freely. Mm, and yeah, you know, there were times where we had to do some crazy stuff, you know, little, oh gosh, I, I remember times where little bridge loans from some shady characters <laughs> to pay for this issue before the revenue came in on another issue. And, you know, it was one of those things where, Hey, don't pay us in 30 days and your, you know, your office will burn down or Whoa. something like that. <laughs> um, maybe that's a little extreme, but either way, they were always paid back on time. That's for sure. I'm sure they but were. Nevertheless, you know, it grew, the television series grew and, you know, overcame a lot of challenges, but really met a lot of great people, traveled to some great places, learned a tremendous amount, of course, about, you know, fishing here in Florida um, and just researched everything till I couldn't research it anymore. Um, and here it is, you know, obviously a number of years later and a couple of years ago ended up selling the magazine, that portion of the business, because I wanted to refocus all of my energy on the television side and social media and relocated down to the Florida Keys simply because I was fishing out of the Fort Lauderdale area for over two decades. I knew every single little nook and cranny out there. You know, you wanted to catch a snowy grouper. I'll take you out and catch a snowy grouper. You want to catch a sailfish, you know, whatever it is. So while I was still incredibly passionate about it, it kind of got a little boring. Like the challenges just weren't there for me any longer. So I wanted to go somewhere where I almost had to start from scratch and I had to learn everything myself because nobody's giving you numbers, right? Nobody's giving you good GPS coordinates and saying, Hey, if you want to catch big 30 inch muttons, here's a set of numbers there, you know, here's where they live. Nobody's doing that. So of course you had to put in the hard work and the time and the effort, which I welcome. And, uh, you know, came down here to the keys down to marathon. Now, as we no longer have to deal with the magazine portion of the business, uh, which by the way, the new owners are continuing to do a great job in growing the title. They have other titles as well, but now that's not under my umbrella. I'm able to really give the television side a hundred percent of my effort. And we recently took Florida sport fishing TV from airing on Bally's just across Florida. Now we're airing on world fishing network and the sportsman channel. Um, and at the same time, we've recently launched a second television series called captain Mike's rigging station, a behind the scenes look at everything that's involved with prepping for a show. You know, so many people, 
have the misconception that we just go out there and with a camcorder and film for 30 minutes and boom, you have a show. <laughs> and of course, you know, better than anybody, how, you know, wrong that is that there's just so much effort that goes into preparing, you know, certainly for every hour we're on the water, there's at least an hour of preparation, you know, minimum. Um, so we want to share that with our viewers and we want to educate them as well, because, when you're out there filming and you're producing Florida sport fishing TV, in reality, you have, you know, 22, 24 minutes. It's really tough to educate people and entertain them on any particular topic when you're limited to only 24 minutes. However, Captain Mike's rigging station, the new series gives me an opportunity to spend that entire segment just educating so I've really enjoyed that. That's continuing to grow rapidly. We also do live seminars on a monthly basis at different locations. And just recently, about a year ago, we launched some really unique, all-inclusive fishing courses down here, uh, really to once again, educate anglers, help them shorten the learning curve. So I like to say my entire life at this point and, and has been and continues to be just immersed in the saltwater fishing industry. You know, I eat it, I live it, I breathe it, I sleep it. Um, but I think the most important thing is I'm just still so passionate about it. You know, I'm out there with these groups and they're like, wow, you're more excited than we are that we just, you know, caught a Wahoo or a big <laughs> mutton or whatever it may be. And I truly am because I don't need to be the guy turning the handle, cranking in the fish. I don't need to be that guy. Just the fact that we're out there on my boat and we're working together to achieve it, you know, that's enough. Uh, that's enough for me. You know, I say that every single fish caught aboard our boat is a team effort from everybody. I don't care who reeled it in, you know, it's a team effort. So just to be part of that and to help people become better anglers through television through social media, through these personal experiences, that's really my reward. And, and, you know, I want people to look back one day and go, Hey, that guy, Mike really helped me become a better angler, you know? And if I can do that, well, then I've achieved my goal for sure. No, I think you're well on your way of, uh, of doing that. You, you do help a lot of people. You got a great format. So I wrote down a whole bunch of notes while you were telling your story sure. there. Um, so I'm curious. Uh, the first thing that I wondered was, you kind of glossed over, you said, you know, if I had known what I know, known then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. Like right. starting the magazine or starting right. the TV show. What do you think that was? Like, what are the things that stand out to you now? I mean, I have a similar, similar story. I was very sure. naive, uh, very naive. I had no idea what it took. And had I known, I probably wouldn't have done it. But what, what exactly. was it for you? So with the magazine for starters, like most, we'll call it readers or subscribers, they pick up a magazine, may it be at a newsstand or may it be, you know, through the mail, whatever, they get a print magazine and they flip through it and they enjoy it, but they don't truly understand what went into producing that product from cover to cover, how much time, effort, and not that I'm afraid of hard work. I've never been in and I'm not but all of the little details that go into producing that. And then there's the distribution and fighting tooth and nail for shelf space at, for example, at Publix. Publix was our biggest retailer because it's Publix and they're everywhere. 
Well, you know, when I learned that your national sell-through average, the amount of magazines that actually sell, the national average is about 25%. Really? So 75% of every magazine that's put on the shelf at a supermarket never sells and is recycled and made into toilet paper. Wow. Literally. And we people end up wiping their butts with my magazine. I hate to say it that way, so but that's for every so for every hundred, twenty-five are sold, seventy-five are thrown away. Exactly. Now the ones that are sold away, you don't I mean that are thrown away, you don't get compensated for. And you still have to produce, you still have to distribute, you still have to do all of those things, and you're not making any money on those, but it's still costing you money to produce the magazine. Uh, And then you have this little kind of, I'm not going to call it a monopoly, but kind of where your magazine does really well. And you're no longer in that 25% range, but you're now in the 33, 35% range doing exceptionally well. However low that percentage may seem in this industry, that's record breaking. So now the supermarket says to you, well, hey, instead of sending us 10 magazines every month because we're selling 35%. We want you to send us 14 (laughs) magazines. Well, wait a second here. I'm maintaining a high sell-through ratio, but you're still destroying 65% of my magazines. But now you want me to give you even more copies, which is, of course, more money out of your pocket. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. And by the time everybody sticks their hand in your pocket, because you have the distributor, you have the retailer, you have Publix themselves, nobody's doing this out of the kindness of their heart. They're doing this because it's generating revenue for them. It's a business just like everything else. And if you don't supply that demand, well, they pull you off the shelf. And there's no other Publix. There's one distributor that handles the Publix supermarket chain. And I'm just using that as one example. So they got you, you know, they got you by the kahunas, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and you have to abide by it. Well, I never realized that. I've always thought that subscriptions and selling magazines was an actual positive revenue stream, but it's completely the opposite subscribers are a negative revenue stream. Distribution at supermarkets is a negative revenue stream. It all costs you money. That's why magazines, you know, you'll see crazy promotions for three-year prescription, you know, or I'm sorry, three-year subscription for $9.99 and we'll send you a free hat. You know what I mean? But when you do the math as to what it costs to print and mail each individual magazine and you multiply that by three years, 
And then you throw a hat in there or whatever kind of giveaway. But then on top of that, you also have to service that client. So you get renewal letters, you get subscription renewal cards and all it, you know, your, your billing needs to be processed. So at the end of the day, when you think you're giving me, we'll just use a round number and say $20 at the end of the day, you cost me $10. Wow. However, however, without you, the reader, you have no advertisers right? because the advertiser, it's all about impressions. So we'll just use a very, you know, we brought up Mercury Marine and we'll just use that brand, of course, an industry leader, the leader in the industry of outboards. You know, they obviously want to make sure that they're getting the impressions. And that means putting that magazine in as many people's hands as you possibly can. So your revenue is actually generated purely your positive revenue from advertising, from the advertising sales. Everything else is a loss. Boat shows, everything is a complete loss. So finding that balance and being able to continue to grow a business and to find that balance and to prosper is so incredibly challenging that the overall percentage of successful magazines is literally like 3%, 3% make it past the five-year mark. So it's really just a, a crazy type of industry as far as that is concerned. Yeah. So yeah. if I would have known that in the beginning, I don't know, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it, but that's just one example you know, that I didn't know. When I first started getting the magazine printed, I'll never forget, I walked into a big commercial printer and a guy looked at me and he said, you know, what color white do you want the paper? And I said, I'm sorry, what did you say? He said, what color white do you want the paper? And I said, well, I want it white. He said, yeah, but what white? I said, well, what do you mean what white? Isn't there only one white? I didn't know that there were dozens of different grades of white, you know, different shades, different, you know, intensities, so to speak. And there's all these little nuances that all play a big role in the ultimate outcome of that particular publication and just using that as an example. And then of course you have the, the social aspect that goes with it, social media nowadays, and and there's so many options nowadays. It's just a different world than it was two decades ago when we launched the publication Mm -hmm. on the TV side of things, boy, that's a whole, Mm -hmm. that's a different animal altogether because suddenly you're in an uncontrollable environment. We're not filming in a studio with perfect sound and perfect lighting and no interruptions. You know, we're now in an environment that is never, it, it, it changes constantly. It's, it's just constantly changing. So you have to deal with all of these factors, many of them are which, or many of them are in your control, the boat, the tackle, your execution, you know, your preparation. These are all things that are in my control. However, then you have these two major factors that are not in my control. Mother nature, which could mean wind, rain, cloud cover, current or the lack of current, uh, all of these, a rough ocean or a slick calm ocean, both of which have pros and cons. So you have the mother nature kind of effect. And then you have the fish. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what tackle you have. You cannot control the fish. You can go out there and do the very best that you can. 
But there's going to be days that you're going to be humbled. You're going to be humbled. No matter how good you think you really are, the fish will teach you a lesson. And I've learned over the years that there truly is only one guarantee in fishing. And the only one guarantee in fishing is that there are no guarantees, <laughs> period. There are none. So, you know, these challenges along the way were interesting because when I launched the TV show, I didn't have a production crew. And I turned to a legend in the industry that everyone knows, a gentleman by the name of Mark Sosa, mm. the late Mark Sosa. Nice. And he, at the, at the time, was ending his career in TV. But he still had the personnel that he wanted to keep on, you know, wanted to keep on the payroll. He had a level of loyalty and, of course, the equipment. So for me, not having any of those things and being new to this, I thought to myself, well, this is perfect. I could provide the boat, the crew, the tackle. You provide the production services. We work together and it's a win-win across the board. Well, that was a big mistake thinking that. Um, for a number of reasons. One reason for starters, my crew, you know, this, this really funny thing happens. And again, you, you'll appreciate this, Tom. You can have this wonderful conversation with somebody as if you've known them your entire life. And maybe you have known them your entire life. And then suddenly somebody picks up a camera and points it in their face and says, please continue to be yourself. And when that individual looks at that camera, you want to talk about (laughs) stage fright, you know, one of two things happens. Either suddenly they just can't say a word because they're frozen because there's a camera pointed at them. Or B, they instantly, it's like a light switch. They instantly become a different character. Mm -hmm. And I, and the guy who I thought I knew, who I have known, who I just want you to be yourself. That's it. I just want you to come fishing and be yourself. Suddenly the camera's on him and there's words and, and phrases and his demeanor and his actions and everything just takes such a drastic change that it's leaving me in the background looking and going, who are you? Who is this? Who, who is, is this Mark Sosen we're talking never, about? What's are you that? talking about Mark Sosen? No, no, no. Oh, I'm just, saying when I met crew, oh, right, I right. met the guys yeah, fishing yeah. with me. Sure. Mark Sosen was a great guy. Uh, different, you know, uh, he wasn't on camera with me. Mm-hmm. He was, of course, right, behind right, the right. scenes. But nevertheless, those were just some of the challenges. And I realized very quickly after literally we filmed two episodes, two pilots. And after two pilots, I realized, no. No, 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 no. This is not going to work. It's just not going to work the way that I originally thought it was going to work. I need to, if I'm serious about doing this long-term, I need my own crew, my own production staff, my own equipment. I need to have full control of everything that's happening because someone else's crew does not know me nor do they know my partners, my advertisers, my sponsors, or my fellow fishermen. Mm -hmm. They're just showing up, shooting, leaving, editing to what they believe is the way it should be edited based on their experience, which may not be or wasn't anywhere near the same vision Mm -hmm. that I had. Yeah. So I had to pause and take a step aside 
and really say to myself, am I serious about doing this? And am I willing to make this sort of financial commitment and this sort of time commitment? And I did. And obviously I pulled the trigger and said, this is what I'm going to do. Cause I, you know, just believe that strongly about mm-hmm. it. So again, you know, a lot of challenges, but I don't regret any of it. You know, I look back and I really think that those challenging times shaped, you know, shaped me to be the person that I am, the man that I am, the business owner that I am, uh, the television host that I am. It can't always be peaches and cream. You know, it can't. And, And sometimes you need a good smack in the face. You need a good reality check to say, hey, look, it's just not gonna be that easy. You know, and and that's why so many people don't do it for so long. There's really only a handful of shows, right? Only a handful of television series, fishing shows. And I mean, Saltwater, mm-hmm. there's a lot of bass shows, but Saltwater that make it, that really survive and that make it long-term. Everybody has these grander visions. I'm going to be a superstar on TV. I'm going to film this great series on sail fishing, whatever it may be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You could do it for one season, maybe two. Talk to me after five years, talk to me after eight years, talk to me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they drop like flies along the way. And I understand why, because it's just not easy. It really, it really isn't. You said it yourself, you know, where you learned that it wasn't easy. Yeah. What do you think the, the challenges are that, that make people drop out like that? Like you're, like you're referring to. I think number one, first and foremost, is probably financial mm-hmm. because this is an expensive business. Even though okay. the even though the costs have come down significantly since I started, for for sure. But they uh, have, but, and I believe that's because companies now have so many different options that you need to be creative, you need to be competitive in order to attract that business. Because we're now competing, guys like you and I with Google AdWords, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just different scenarios like that where guys can run these campaigns online and see positive results and live analytics. And all of this data is right at their fingertips, truthfully, for pennies on the dollar, you know, based on what we need to, you know, have them commit to. But it's a different animal. You know, television is strong. It's much, much stronger, in my opinion, than this, mm-hmm. you know, certainly at least for now. Um, but the television world is, you know, changing also, obviously, with streaming and st- stuff that you're involved with that you know better than anybody, you know, how the television industry is evolving and how <laughs> people want their information. But I think financial is a big problem. And I also think the synergy between whoever the television host or co-host is the synergy between the, and I'll use the word characters. I don't, I don't mean a downgrade, you know, the, the personnel who are, you know, the people on TV and the crew, you know, who's filming your show because you need to understand what he's doing and he needs to understand what you're doing without exchanging any words. I don't, I, I cannot explain to you. I'm about to, net that fish or whatever it may be. We need to have that clear understanding and that synergy between us for this to work. And that's tough to find. Yes. How long did it take for you to find a a crew that you could work with once you made that split? You know, I've had one, two, 
I've had, I'm now on, after 13 years, we're now about to start filming our 14th consecutive season. And I've had a total of, I'm on my third. I was just thinking if there was someone else in there that I don't remember, but there is a, I'm on my third, we'll call it videographer who is so good. My biggest regret is I didn't work with this guy from day one. Mm. We've, I finally found somebody who we click so well and we're such a good team and we're, you know, really putting out the, I feel the best content that we've ever done. Uh, and he's just as excited about it as I am. And we have, you know, all of those things going for us, but it's not easy. And, and at any time, you don't know that, right? You don't know there's somebody better out there. You hope there is, but you also are not constantly looking to replace because you don't want to start from ground zero. That's a very challenging thing to do is take your head videographer and say, okay, you're out, new guy in and start from ground zero. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging to replace that crew. Um, but I feel very fortunate that I have a great team in place now. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we stay together till the end, whatever that end is, you know, whatever that end, which I, I don't know what that end is, but you know, that's what I'm really hoping. So, yeah, I found it interesting in, in both of those stories that, you went down to um, Florida and you were hoping to get a job in the sport fishing industry. You couldn't seem to find a job in the sport fishing industry. So at some point you just had to say, you know what? I need to do this myself. I need to get my own boat or I need to get my captain's light, whatever it is. I need to get out there and mess around with this enough to where I can kind of learn my way around. And then the same thing happened with the, with the, with the magazine and the TV that you have to kind of get out there and try things. And I was thinking about that the other day when, when, you know, when you have somebody that's helping you do something, that's a fantastic place to be. It really is. And if you're with the right person, that's all you need, but very few people get the right person to help them and they'll continue along that, that, that path of whatever it is. Maybe it's in, maybe it's in business. Maybe it's in, you know, you want to learn how to play golf or something. You, you, you find, you've got a guy that can show you how and will continue to show you how, and they're going to, they're way better than you now. And they're going to stay way better than you through this whole process probably. But there is also this, this real valuable thing of just, just making the mistakes yourself, getting out there, making the mistakes and just kind of continuing to learn and, you know, maybe you're, and, and in fact, maybe you're making all these mistakes and you're doing things, you know, you know, you're doing them wrong, but occasionally you're catching a fish here and there and you're, you're, you're not doing it the way they are because you don't know how to do what they're doing over there. You can see them doing it, but you've never flown a kite or you've never anchored in that depth of water. or You don't even have that much anchor line. So we're just going to go over here and we're going to try this. And, and it works. You catch a couple of fish. You're not catching what they're catching, but you're catching a couple of things and you tend to mess around and mess around. And what you've done is, is you've created your own style through what you thought was your lack of experience or what you thought was your, your lack of gear or your lack of knowledge or whatever. You just go and do something else and you start to, you start to make your own style and you do that for a few years. And all of a sudden you're like, huh, you see somebody else doing it. You're like what? What in the world? I've never seen anybody do that. Well, they've been watching you. And then yep. they're like, well, we can drift this thing like he does. He always catches a fish here. And 
it, the importance of that, I think, is is a lot of times um, not something that people are looking for. Like it seems like it's kind of the situation where where you you described of you got down there, you wanted the job, you wanted to find the mentor, you wanted to get placed in this in this position, but it just wasn't happening for you. So, but more than that, you had this vision and you weren't going to give up on that. So at some point you just have to do it. You just have to get out there and do it. I agree. And you brought up some excellent points, you know, making the mistakes yourself. Listen, I've made a lot of mistakes. Okay. And I, and I think what's really important when you make those mistakes to be man enough to stand up and say, I made that mistake, you know, that's my fault and I'm going to learn from it and I'll never make that mistake again, you know, not pointing fingers, not blaming other people, because at the end of the day, even though, and again, we've made some, when I say we, I I, I use the word we, because I feel I take full responsibility, but people underneath me have done some things and made some mistakes that have affected me and my business that I can't just point a finger at them because I should have been babysitting you a little bit more. I didn't know that I need to look over your shoulder every second. I didn't know that you were whatever it was that you were doing, but I can't say, Oh, I didn't know. So I'm okay. No, it's your responsibility. If you took on that role, it's your responsibility. And again, look, I printed pages in magazines upside down. Okay. You want to talk about a mistake? I've misspelled the word surprise on the cover of my magazine. Mm. Okay. And this is, this is for no, you know, we're only human. And even though there's many people in place to check these, you know, things to make sure that they never happen. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. We're only human. And when you're working, you know, literally 20 hours a day to meet that deadline, your brain is telling you that it wants to see something that really isn't there. But when you're looking at it, your brain is processing because it wants to that it is there. So again, you know, little mistakes, they happen, but you have to learn from them. You have to push forward. I agree about what you said on the water too. You know, you just got to try it and develop your own kind of pattern in your own skill set. And one thing that really stood out for me, I always said, and this kind of goes back to what happens when you point that camera in somebody's face. What helped me get over it was two things. It was one thing that, again, I still stress to this day for everybody in every arena. Lead by example. 
If you want somebody to do something, you better be willing to do it yourself. If I want one of my employees to work till 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week, I better be sitting right next to them. And it doesn't matter if I'm not doing it. I'm not the one who's designing or editing or whatever. Just the fact that I'm sitting right next to and I'm bringing them a cup of coffee or whatever is equally as important. That's how you build trust and loyalty with your team. So I really feel that, you know, lead by example. I can't say that any better way. And number two, I also said to myself, because when that camera, multiple cameras first got in my face, for the first few seconds... I thought to myself, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into? Oh my God, what in the world? And I'm looking at these big, and back then, 20 years ago, the cameras were not you yeah. know, tiny like they are today. We're talking about big shoulder mount cassettes, you know, the, the whole gig. And these things are in my face and I'm just like, what? I, I've never done this in my life. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then instantly it hit me. And I said, you know, Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm going to be myself. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to fake it. I am going to be 100% who I am. And you know what? If you don't like who I am, I'm okay with that because it's impossible to please everybody that we all know that that's impossible. So if you don't like it, and if this doesn't work for you, either switch channels, switch shows or do whatever, it's okay. I'm not going to pretend to be someone else just to make you happy. I'm not going to fake it just because you feel that's the right way. You don't know everything that's happening behind the scenes. And if I have to handle everything and all of the decisions, the only way for me to do that is to stay loyal to myself and honest to myself. So I thought to myself that moment when I looked into the cameras, at that instant, I no longer saw cameras. I looked at the lens and I saw people. I saw fishermen who wanted to learn and I talked to them. I still do the same thing today. I look in that camera and I'm speaking directly to my audience. I don't see a camera. It could be the guy could be holding a, a rifle or a refrigerator. Makes no difference to me. I'm still talking as if my audience was right in front of me. And again, that's just my philosophy. You know, those are the things that have worked for me is just being very honest to myself and being able to, to go to bed at night, put my head down and go, did I do the very best that I can? And as long as I did the very best that I can, whatever the results of that are going to be, I can't control that. There's mm -hmm. no way for me to control that. I'm just going to do the very best that I can. And whatever the results are, you know, that's what they are. But don't fake it. You know, don't pretend to be something you're not in any industry because you're going to get picked off like that. Right. You might not get picked off by the people who don't know but you're going to get picked off by the people who do know. And that's what mattered to me. The average Joe, he may not know if I'm doing something right or wrong. You know, as a professional fisherman and TV host, you know if I'm doing something right or wrong. And that's what meant something to me, to make sure that my peers and other people in my industry, they may not, may or may not respect how we do what we do or what we do, 
that's okay. But at least we're doing it legitimately. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not faking it, so to speak. So right. I think those are important life lessons for sure. in anything that you do. Well, that transfers over to so many different things, just being yeah. authentic and being yourself and and not not bowing to the to the concerns of others to to try to, you know, do whatever, be successful in yeah. any endeavor. Um, one of the things that that you were talking about related to failure. And as you're as you're looking and 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 looking back on your career, even in just this, we've been going for like 40 minutes now, um, when you probably had some opportunity to look back through your career, maybe you haven't revisited in a while. I know whenever I tell, have to tell these stories on a podcast or whatever, I, I, I sometimes come across things that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Um, if you were to give some advice to, to a young person that was thinking about, I don't know, it could be getting into the fishing world or it could be starting any other kind of business or going to work for somebody else. One of the things that you mentioned was how you eliminate failure and how failure is not an option. What would you tell somebody if they didn't quite understand what you're what you're talking about there? Give us an example of what what you're what you're talking about and how that might be um, applied to fishing or any other any other sure. place where you're you're trying to be so, successful. You know, kind of like water follows the path of least resistance. So does failure. It's easy. The easiest thing is to throw in the towel. The easiest thing is to say, man, I can't pay my bills. I'm not generating enough revenue, whatever, you know, it is. And it's so easy to just give up and doesn't mean you're a failure. It's just the easiest decision. You know, it doesn't mean you're any less of a person than anybody else. I'm sure you're a great person. It's just so simple to do that. Well, if you do that, well, then you really weren't that dedicated in the first place, right? Because you accepted the fact that you weren't able to overcome challenges. Listen, life is not fair. Whoever thinks life is fair is deceived. Life is not fair. These really bad things happen to people for no reason. And it makes you wonder why, you know, but that's again, life isn't fair. So don't think it's going to be an easy road whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to get into fishing, if that's truly what you're passionate about, do it. If, but do it authentically, meaning I wanted to get into this industry because it was what I was passionate about. I never once, never once ever did I stop and go, is this going to be lucrative? Is, is, is this going to be financially lucrative? Like I never thought about it just for the money. Um, And I think that whatever you do, if you give it everything, the money will come. You know, if you launch a business, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're working for somebody else, whatever, the money will come and you'll figure out how to overcome those challenges along the way. Um, You know, in my case, I had a policy and I'm not afraid to share this with the world. The entire time that I worked and that I owned Florida Sport Fishing Magazine for 18 years. I never took a single paycheck. Never. Okay. Did I, was I able to pay my mortgage and pay my bills? Of course I was. I had to survive, right? My late wife or, you know, my wife at the time, she handled all of the finances and all of the bills and she handled all of that behind the scenes kind of stuff. And of course I had a, you know, debit card, which allowed me to buy tackle and fuel my boat and food and gas in my truck. And that's all that I needed. Everything else I knew was, you know, being paid and taken care of. And my goal, and I used to say this even to all of my crew members, I'm shooting for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. 
if one day, if, because everything is a gamble, if one day I'm able to move forward, sell the magazine, then hopefully I'll be rewarded financially at that point if I do a good enough job and grow this business to where it really has a good value and it's valuable to somebody. At that point, I'll be rewarded. Up until then, I'm okay. I don't want to draw money out of the company that could be going to compensate people that are even better than me. And I'm not afraid to say that. You brought that up earlier when you said, you know, there's some people that you're going to work with that are going to be better than you. A hundred percent. If you have an ego and you think that you need to be the best at everything, you're going to lose. I realized I'm not a great editor, so I'm going to find and work with a great editor. I'm not a great or I'd have no graphic design skills. I'm going to find a great graphic designer. And I knew, you know, I knew that I had to work with people that were even better than me. But nobody was better than me than managing these people and working with them and bringing the synergy together and the team together. And sometimes that's very frustrating because, you know, as a business owner, I had a kind of policy where I believed all of my employees that I had to be friendly with them but I didn't want to be their friends. Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, are very friendly with their employees and they are their friends and they spend a lot of time outside of the work environment with their team. I was the opposite. I don't even want to see you unless we're here at the office, because if you build that kind of bond, my personal belief was sometimes, and I'm not stereotyping, but sometimes people end up taking advantage of you because they feel like, hey, we're such good friends. I could sit here and twirl my thumbs and not do shit. And you're certainly not going to fire me because Friday night we're going out drinking together or whatever it may be. So my philosophy was when I leave here at the end of the day, I don't want to see you. I don't want to know you. I understand you have personal issues because we all do. We all have families. We have kids. We have pets. We have bills. We have all of these challenges that face us outside of our work environment. And I used to tell people, and I still tell them, I'm like, look, we all have issues. We all have problems. When your problems become my problem, we have a problem. (laughs) So you keep your problems outside that front door. I'll keep my problems outside that front door. And the better that we work together here and the better of a job we do, the easier it's going to be to conquer whatever problems that we have out there, most of which are financially driven. Let's face the facts. We live in a material world. Everybody wants a nicer car, nicer boat, nicer house, nicer phone, nicer whatever, whatever, whatever. Nobody's giving you that stuff for free. You need to earn it. And then one final policy that I had was when it comes to compensation, look, people should earn what they're worth. But Prove to me what you're worth before you look at me and tell me you want six figures. Mm -hmm. You know, don't walk in my door and say, I want to earn this much astronomical salary. And this is what I'm going to do. This is what you tell me on the very first interview. Well, how about you do that? I'm not asking you to work for free, but let's find a happy medium. Here's a fair salary and prove that you're worth more. And I'd be happy to provide you with more because why would I want to lose you? You're, you're an asset to my brand, to my company. I'd be happy to pay you. The more that I'm paying you, the happier that I am. And they were like, what? I said, the more that I pay you, the happier that I am. It simply means you're doing an exceptional job and you deserve it. 
because I'm not going to give you anything that you don't deserve. No one ever gave me anything I didn't deserve. I've worked for everything from ground zero. My parents had nothing and nobody ever gave me anything. Or Why should I give it to you if you're not willing to earn it? So, you know, I, I had this kind of a persona, you know, where I don't know if people liked me in the office or not, but I truly didn't care because I wasn't there to make friends. I was there to run a business. I was there to make sure that on Friday, your paycheck cleared, right? That that's because you can imagine if it didn't. So that was my role. So in all of this, not to dwell on it, but you know, we're in the fishing industry. We're talking about fishing shows. We're talking about fishing magazines, but in reality, getting to do all of that is also about business. Right. And that's where we've spent a lot of time talking about if you're a charter boat captain, of which here in the Keys, it seems like every other guy is a charter boat captain. You better be a good fisherman, but you better be a good business person, too, because there's so much that's involved with running that business, much more than if you catch a limit of yellowtails. Okay. And for me, especially now with our fishing courses, originally I had a little bit of a different kind of mindset. I would go out, I would take these people out. If I didn't come back with 10 or 12, 30 inch muttons in the boat, I was terribly disappointed. I feel like I had failed. I didn't do my job. And, but the people were thrilled, thrilled because their level of expectation is different than our level of expectation. And at the end of the day, I realized I'm looking, you know, Success is not in what's in the fish box. Success is in the entire experience from beginning to end. You know, helping people. Yeah, of course they want to catch fish. But interestingly, I found, believe it or not, that some of my best trips included the worst catches, you know, or the least catches, so to speak. It still ended up being an amazing trip because people realize that we can't control the bite. We can't but we can control our effort. We can control what we do to do the very best that we can. And and I always felt like I want to treat these people the way I would want to be treated. And that's why we've dubbed and named our fishing courses, VIP fishing courses, because if I went on somebody's boat and if I paid top dollar, I would want to be treated like a VIP. So that's how I treat people. And again, they know it's not about what we catch, but fortunately we end up doing pretty well most of the time and it's a win-win across the board. So yeah. it seems like, um, the best guides that I know and the best guides that I've ever had an opportunity to go with operate their business in a way. And, and, and when I say operate their business, they operate a charter. They, they behave on a charter. They, they prepare for a charter. They show up for a charter in such a way that, you know, First of all, they're going to be completely safe and everybody's going to come back without any any problem. And secondly, they're going to um, be cordial, communicate well, um, instruct well, do their very best. And then all of these things make for a great trip. And the byproduct of those things is that people have enough trust in you to wait out the the slow periods, they have enough trust in you to understand that you do know what you're doing. They're not second guessing you every time. And the byproduct is that you catch a lot of fish. 
because all of these other things are such a such a, a daily mode of operation that you know you're not so worried about the fishing part because you have ha- you you have these habits and you have these these skills of communication and you have the the time that you put into preparing the boat and it's perfectly clean and your tackle's perfect and everything like that so that there's no room for anyone to have any complaints whatsoever Exactly. Right? The lunch is beautiful. You're controlling the, the controllables. Yeah, everything's clean. The cooler's clean. Yeah. The 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 drinks in the cooler are fresh and new, and and everything 100%. is wonderful. And if you don't catch fish, you're going to have a great day. No question. But you're those people, those people that operate that way, generally, they have gotten to where they operate in that way every single day, so they don't have to think about those things anymore. Right. It's not like they don't have to prepare the boat. They did prepare the boat. But they did it in a in a mindless, um, repetitive way. That this is just yep. what we do. I'm not even Standard leaving the dock unless. Procedures. Yeah, I'm not even leaving the dock unless this cooler is perfectly clean, and yep. that's just part of it. That's just like getting bait. That's just like making your making your rods perfect. That's all of that. So all of that is taken up every single day, so that now all of their focus can be on how do we catch fish, right? right? Because you've already got the standard operating procedure of how to yeah. talk to the customer, how to show up early, how to do all of these things. And that's just a professional captain, right? Exactly. That's- Being a professional, you're hundred percent right. And treating people, you know, like I said, the same way you would want to be treated because that's what you would expect. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people in the charter industry, they do that. They have a great reputation. They have a great following. People fish with them over and over. And then you have other people that I've met and, you know, learned who, are far from that passionate about it. It's just a job to them. And they're so burnt out that it seems like every time I talk to them, it's, oh gosh, I'm just so tired of this. Or I'm so, you know, it's just negative, 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 negative. I hate it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, dude, you just shouldn't be in this industry anymore. Right. This is a people industry. These people, they don't get to be on the water every day like you and I. They're visiting, the, you know, they're tourists or they worked really hard to spend this money. You know, they want an exceptional experience. And that experience, you you hit the nail on the head, is not defined solely by what's in that cooler when they go home. There are so many other factors that come into play, you know, and For me, at least, the preparation and the, I'll call it the after party, after people leave, the cleaning up, because of course that doesn't happen on its own. It's not where you're twisting my arm to do this. On the contrary, it's part of the entire experience. A trip with me is not just that one day. It's the entire day before. It's that whole day. It's that evening. It's the whole experience from beginning to end. For me, a 10-hour period is going to be shared with you. But the other 18 hours, you're not going to be here. It's still part of this experience. And then, of course, there's the maintenance and, you know, all of the service and everything that happens behind the scenes that most people don't even think about, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, we know about, but they don't think about so bottom painting or 300-hour services. Is all or- of that stuff the stuff that you're going over with your new show? Yes, absolutely. Exactly. So it's a great opportunity to be able to share with people, hey, look, let's talk safety. Let's talk about boat prep. Let's talk about, you know, the benefits of bottom paint versus having a boat up on a lift, you know, all of these other things. Tackle, why am I choosing this Tiagra 30 versus a Tiagra 50? 
Mm-hmm. You know, stuff that maybe on a regular show for 22 minutes, 24 minutes, whatever. I don't have that time to break it down into all of those little details. Uh, so to be able to do that is really been, you know, exciting for me. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of seamless because just as an example, I'll just kind of throw something out there. We're actually going to be filming a show a little bit later this week on mackerel, Spanish mackerel, Ciro mackerel, hearing the keys, really light tackle stuff, a ton of fun. You know, is it my favorite type of fishing? No, but I enjoy it just like I enjoy every other kind of fishing. And certainly a lot of people do enjoy it. So prior to going out to film that episode of Florida Sport Fishing TV, there's everything that goes into prepping for that show. And that's what the new series is about. So we'll be filming on the same topic prior to actually going out and executing and filming Florida Sport Fishing TV. It might sound a little confusing, but clearly you understand what I mean. And then we'll use the supportive footage to support what we're saying in advance. And for me, look, it's all about preparation. You know, I'm one of those people where, gosh, I'm just such a stickler about every detail. I was just explaining at a Wahoo course the other day, and I'm explaining to the guy that I had a trip recently, a few months back, and we get a bite. We're trolling for Wahoo. Zing, gone. Fish is gone instantly. I'm like, well, I didn't get cut off, whatever. I reel in the lure. The back hook is gone. Hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes these crazy things happen in fishing that we can't explain, right? Something failed, but left me puzzled, but I wasn't going to sit there in front of this group and evaluate why this happened and why this failure occurred. But trust me, it's in the back of my head already trying to figure out how do I overcome that from ever happening again? The very next day, different lure, same lure, but a different one, but same exact product, same lure, trolling, zingon. I went, wait a minute, no way. I reel it up, exact same issue, the hook is gone. (laughs) So now on both of these trips, it was the only Wahoo bite. We had both trips and I lost them both. So I'm very, very disappointed. And now I say, okay, I really need to dig into this. And I dig a little further and I realize that the split ring is getting eaten up by the hook itself because the metal of the hook, of the eye of the hook was a tougher metal than the split ring. And from vibrating through the water at a high rate of speed, it literally eats the split ring up where you can't see it with the naked eye. You get a fish on, zing pow, and it's gone. So overcoming that, putting brand new split rings, you know, every time we go out, like all of these tiny little details that I don't, I don't need to bring up to people every single thing. I'm generally want to share with them though, how important that preparation is. And sometimes you need to break it down to that level Hmm. that there are things that are happening that you can't even see with the naked eye that you need to address. And your average guy who goes Wahoo fishing once a month or whatever, he'll never know this. I Wahoo fish 15 times a month. I know this. Mm -hmm. So we're able to help shorten those learning curves. And again, that's just one of many uh, examples. When you think about that, which is more important, the the lost wahoo to the guy that fishes fifteen times a month, or the lost wahoo for the guy that gets to go one time a year, right? Like it's more important for the one time a year guy or the one time a month guy, and that is a controllable factor that you're talking about. That is exactly like what what I 
I'm harping on all the time is control the controllable because right. it, you know, you can hand, you can, you can work on your tackle. You can work on your Absolutely. knowledge. You can work on yep. your, you know, those kind of things that you can control because there's so many things out of our control with the weather, the fish, the other boats, all these other things that go on. But, you know, if you lose a fish, you're going to be out there again tomorrow. Not that it's not important and not that it wasn't important to your charter, but you're going to be out there again tomorrow. But the guy that right. goes gets to go once a month or once a year, when you lose that fish... Devastating. Oh yeah. Well, that could have been the only one. <laughs> he may not one. say it right there and then. He may say, "Oh, it's okay. It's okay." No, it's not okay. Yeah. And it's okay, in my opinion. Look, we, we you, you know, we don't land every fish. No matter what, there are things that are going to happen. Hooks pull, whatever. There are things that are going to happen. We get sharked on a big mutton. You know, there's things that are completely out of our control. So there's no way in the world that we're going to have a 100% success ratio. But what bothers me and what I really focus on is never losing fish due to angler failure or tackle failure. Okay. Those are my responsibility. If you lost the fish because the drag was too tight, because you were lifting the head of that 30 pound dolphin out of the water before anybody would have gap with, you know, different things like that, that we do or that people do that, you know, lose fish that could have been avoided. That kills me. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I make sure never happen. And then still understanding we're not going to win them all, but mm-hmm. our ratio is going to go up dramatically if we eliminate angler failure and tackle failure from the equation. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of instruction, a lot of behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, and then I think, you know, one thing we didn't touch on that I think is very important, not only in the magazine industry, but certainly in TV And that is the sponsors and the partners and the support that we get from these industry leading companies. You know, we talked about Mercury. Both of us are involved with Mercury, you know, just as an example. But then, of course, there's rod companies and real companies and boat companies. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And those relationships are very, very challenging to even establish And then once you do establish those relationships, maintaining those relationships is vital and not easy because people come and go in different points of views and different opportunities come and go. So those partners, though, in my opinion, they're my lifeblood. Mm -hmm. Without my partners, there's no Florida sport fishing TV. There's no Captain Mike's rigging station. There's no fishing courses you know, without these partners, but to get these partners took 20 years, you know, it took a lifetime of experience and a lifetime of dedication. Don't think, you know, you said, what would you tell a young person trying to get into it? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't think you're going to pick up that phone and somebody's giving you a brand new shiny boat with four motors and, you know, all of the tackle that you want and delivering it to your house and going, Hey, good luck. <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. You know, anything that you get, you better be prepared to work for it and you better be prepared to reciprocate. You know, people say to me all the time, oh, you can get unlimited amount of hooks from your hook company. Well, why? I don't need an unlimited, I don't need an 18 wheeler to pull up in front of my house and fill up my garage with hooks. I'm very selective as to exactly, you know, what I use and what I need. So I never take or ask or expect anything that 
just doesn't make sense that I don't need, you know, that doesn't help me accomplish what my goals are. So, mm-hmm. but I think some people want to get into the industry for that reason alone. I'm going to get free shit. That's yeah. what they said. I want free shit. Um, no, you know, and if that's really why you want to do it, then you're not going to be oh, successful. I'll tell you what, uh, honestly, it, it's easier just to buy it. Uh, you it really know, it's so funny you mentioned that, Tom, because there are so many times when I need a particular item that I could easily get from a partner with a phone call or an email or, and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just going to buy it. Yeah. I'm not going to bug somebody. I'm not going to ask them to go out of their way because it also tells me that that product is so important to me that I'm willing to buy it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That I am willing to take the money out of my own pocket and purchase that product because it is that important for me in my everyday role and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, there are certain times where you're hundred percent right. It's easier to buy it. Plus then you don't owe anybody anything. You just right. sell it to yourself. Right. You know, man, I'll tell you what you have, uh, have had some really incredible, incredible stories and some great uh, pieces of advice. And yeah. we are going to um, delve into a little bit more advice. I'm going to have Mike on uh, for the how to Tuesday episodes. We're going to do a couple of those right after this. So um, I'll look forward to that. And if you Excellent. want to find out more about Mike, how would they find you? How would they watch your show? How would they? The easiest thing is just to uh, join our streaming channel, Florida Sport Fishing TV Plus. So in addition to our television series that airs on World Fishing Network and Sportsman Channel and Captain Mike's Rigging Station on Bally's, we also have a streaming platform. All of the content appears there first, uh, and you can learn everything that you need with over 400 instructional videos. The web address is very simple, fsftv.com. Of course, uh, I welcome emails and questions and concerns. I'm happy to help everybody that I possibly can in any way. And not that I know the answer to everything, but, you know, I tell people, look, I know what I know. And I know what I don't know. And I know people who know what I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll get those people to help. You know, I never try and uh, pretend that I know something that I don't because it's impossible to know everything. You know, every day is a learning experience out on the water. Every trip is a learning experience. So, but I think, you know, what I would want anybody to take away from this is, you know, eliminate failure from the equation but be passionate about whatever it is that you're going to do. Do it to the very best of your ability if you truly want to be successful. And success is defined by far more greater things than the balance in your bank account. You know, there's a lot more things that are more important than money. There really are. And maybe some young people don't understand that today, but they will, you know, as they wisen up, they'll understand that. Nice. Well, that's a good piece of advice. All right, Mike, thanks for doing this with us. And I uh, look forward to having you on the How To Tuesday. Awesome. Thanks again, Tom. Right. Appreciate it. You bet. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.